Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I'm joined by Stephen Atchula. He is the CEO of Shore Agents. Stephen has been working in the real estate industry since about 18 years of age. He started in Australia and he has been living here in the Philippines now for about the last six years. We will hear that story, but also how he built Shore Agents, which is a um, purpose-built outsourcing firm specific to the real estate industry. He serves uh, Australia originally, but now also the UK, US, New Zealand, and other countries. So it's a really interesting conversation about an outsourcing vertical where they just specialize in one industry and get really good at that specific function. As always, if you're on any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms, representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish Inside Outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. So Stephen, what is your story? You're based in the Philippines. How long have you been here and what brought you to this fine country? Um, I've been in the Philippines now for about six years uh, going on. Just recently got married, so my, my roots are definitely definitely here now. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, so, yeah, what, what brought me over here, I guess, um, I was looking for solutions back in 2012 um, when I was running my real estate company on outsourcing. Um, and I'd played around with it, but then wanted to get a little more serious because I could see the benefits, but what, uh, what platforms I'd been using weren't really reliable. Um, so I ended up going on a tour with, um, by a guy named Mike O'Hagan, who happens to be one of my partners in this now, um, who runs business tours throughout the Philippines. Um, so yeah, I went, went on that tour and explored and went through all the different BPO providers. Um, and saw that it was a far better, reliable solution. Um, and then, yeah, I hired some staff uh, out of a BPO in the Philippines, and yeah, it was very, very successful. And um, 
yeah, decided I might do the same thing for this space and it's kind of how I ended up here. Well done. And you have spent your entire career almost in uh, real estate. And were you using offshore staff prior to your trip over to the Philippines? Yes. So I started in um, when I was 18, back in 2005, I believe, uh, just as a, a salesperson and then kind of worked my way through um, and ended up owning my own real estate business and starting my own brand at, at 24. Um, I explored outsourcing pretty early in like 2012 before I came over to the Philippines, um, just due to staffing issues I was finding back then and difficulty to get uh, administrative staff. And then someone told me about hiring in the Philippines. I thought, sweet, I'll give it a go. Um, So yeah, definitely explored it, but found that the BPO, the office-based solution, a little more expensive it was, but a far more reliable solution. Right, right. And how have you seen it evolve over, so you've been, involved in outsourcing now for, for 10 plus years? How have you seen the provision and the industry evolve? Um, well, when I had success with it and I told all my real estate buddies, they looked at me like I had two heads um, in the beginning. Uh, it wasn't very common. Uh, it was a bit out of the box. Um, but over yeah, over the past 10 years, it's become quite normal uh, within the space and a, a popular kind of trend. Uh, and people are seeing yeah, the advantage and especially post kind of COVID, um, the intake of virtual staff being the fact that everyone's gone virtual in their business, whether it be software and things like that, it just makes it far easier now. Um, so I think it's going to become more and more popular that almost every real estate business will have a global team. Yeah, you're, you're, if it's not obvious, you're from Australia and I obviously have spent many years in Australia and it, it's a pretty mature market there now, isn't it? You know, people are, are, it seems, all aware of the Philippines, Philippine staffing, offshore staff, remote staff. Um, but what is it like on, on the ground in Australia? I mean, you don't live there yourself at the moment, but is is it sort of just now commonplace? Because as you said, sort of 10, 12 years ago, it really was a very foreign concept. But is every business now just completely aware of it as as a tool? I, I think every business would have at least um, thought about it or it's crossed their, their mind at some point, um, whether they've gone down the path or not. Um, yeah, it can take, I've found that it takes Australians uh, a very long time sometimes to make a decision when it comes to outsourcing. There's a lot of things to consider. Um, but yeah, I, I think 50% of business would have either tried it um, or still be doing it. Um, I would say that there's a lot of people that we come across that have tried it and uh, disliked it or it didn't work for whatever reason. Um, and yeah, a lot of those secondhand kind of customers come back to us and yeah, we find a lot of success with people that have tried it and kind of guide them in the right direction and make sure that they're, they're set up, that it's not just a plug in and play solution. So yeah, I think it's pretty normal in Australia. Um, yeah, more so than clients when we talk to US. Um, it, it's interesting, some of the conversations where they, they think they're a pioneer of the space because they've just hired a couple of staff with us um, in the US because it's just not normal uh, over there. Um, but I, I guess things are starting to mature over there as well. Yeah. Yeah, we, get, we actually get outsourcing firms come over to the Philippines and think that they're pioneers because they've hired Filipino staff and they're offering it to businesses 
and you know they they fly over for the first time and see that it's a massive industry and it's highly sophisticated and it employs millions of people and and I'm like yeah it's it's not you're not quite frontier anymore you know it's uh, yeah it's, it's crazy it is it is interesting yeah when people see how big it is over in the Philippines it's like the number one number one space for the economy um, yeah I, I do find that quite amusing. <laughs> And why do, why do you think people are so slow to to give it a go? Um, the you know I see it. It's always sort of is it a vitamin or a painkiller? And I see it very much as a painkiller. It's so critical to your business. It can save a huge amount of money and can really add rocket fuel. Whereas other people, I think, see it as a vitamin and they're just like you know well we'll maybe look at it next year and then maybe the year after and it just gets sort of always put off. You know. Um. I, w- I would say probably in my space and, and knowing, um, being quite blunt with in my, my schooling background, I wasn't a university student or anything like that, kind of dropped out of school, got into real estate as a good salesperson, but that didn't make me a very good business person when I got into business at first. Um, and I think probably traditionally a lot in the real estate space, like particularly the kind of residential sales businesses in Australia and things like that, um, that the business owners haven't had a lot of business background. They're just flying by the seam of their pants. Um, so when it comes to outsourcing and having to be organized and process driven, these are new terms um, for a lot of these business owners. Um, so I think a lot of the time that they take is on the on the setup, adjusting software to be more cloud-based, um, finding productivity tools that are going to help manage the team. So there's a lot of things that particularly in conversations where we explain to them and we're showing them different ways that other businesses uh, are using software to manage the teams. It, it's quite um, odd or new to them. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of the holdback is just being able to get ready to make it work. And we definitely don't encourage anyone to try that is not ready because it will will just be a massive failure. And how would you describe the so typically we're talking about residential real estate agents how would you describe that industry a lot of them they're kind of do they even get salaries they're kind of like commission only working for themselves and they kind of eat what they kill and so they're they're fundamentally quite small businesses that they're quite hard to scale beyond the one person is that right and and Um, so they're kind of grappling with that kind of employment and delegation thing Yes, we, we generally deal with the, the business owners um, that have teams of salespeople. Um, so the business owners are one kind of taken on board the, the responsibility for the outsourcing within the business and across the property management space uh, as well. So typically the, the virtual staff would be kind of wiping the bottoms of the agents and doing all the paperwork for them and making sure that they're productive and uh, updating their databases when they do new appraisals. So they kind of use it uh, in that sense. So it's more the business owner coming on board unless um, you've got somebody writing a million in, in comms that has a team already that's looking for some admin support of their own where they're kind of already a small business. So it's, it's kind of more the business owners that, that come on board with it and take on that responsibility to kind of make their teams more productive and make their business more streamlined. Got it. And you were saying, you know, a lot have tried and they're disappointed. That's really sad, isn't it? You know, I, I sort of, I, I'm upset for the industry when that happens and, and it leaves a bad taste and then they probably sort of talk to their friends and discourage their friends from outsourcing. Why, why do you think there are those bad experiences? What, what's at the core of those? Um, 
Well, when it comes to hiring, like, yeah, and being ready. So I think sometimes they've got to kind of look at themselves and take the responsibility of why it why it kind of failed um, on as their own uh, responsibility. Um, but then, then other times there are, yeah, there's a service provider that may, I don't know, a, a bad egg may get through in re- recruitment and they hire one bad staff member and then they just give up on it forever. Um, so it's kind of one of those things that some people have the wrong idea about it, that if it's not instant success, it's a failure and they just give up on it. Um, but they're not willing to put in the time. Um, and I always I always explain to them, you've heard of an aeroplane going down. If it went down because of one bad pilot, does that mean you would never fly again? And then they always get that answer. But still, yeah, you've got to be willing to try and try again, just like any staff. Um, I, I would... I would say it'd be hard to find any business in the world that doesn't have some turnover of staff. But when they look at outsourcing, if they lose one team member or a couple of team members here and there, they they kind of get annoyed with it and and go back to the drawing board. Right. And they associate one bad staff member with the entire industry. The entire, yeah. They paint the whole industry with that same brush just because of one uh, one team member. And so, Shore Agents, and you are the CEO. You started this. How long ago did you start it? And and what is your um, solution to this? You you basically help with the processes. Is that right? Yeah. So I started January two thousand and nineteen, um, and yeah, I think the solution is education. Um, so yes, we do real estate businesses. We started with main traditional kind of offices in Australia because that was my background. Uh, that's not who we're working with only now. We've got uh, clients in in US, uh, we've got clients in, in Canada, UK, New Zealand, uh, across all different sectors in the space. Um, and we kind of worked out that the, there's no solution for the fact that a lot, of, a lot of people would come to you and say, I want pre-trained staff and things like that, which kind of doesn't exist. Um, the solution itself is the business owner um, to educate them on what they need to do to be successful with it um, and make sure that they take the right steps. And if that means taking one year to come on board with us, I really don't mind. Um, I would rather them go away and do what they need to make it successful rather than coming on board and and tripping up over things that that could have been avoided. And so you provide the staffing and how, how much of a sort of assistance do you give holding hands or, you know, business coaching and helping build out the processes for these agents? Yeah, so right from the time that they, they come on board with us, when it comes to the recruitment process, we're very hands-on in how we do that. Um, we've got some very different ways that we do that as well with our filtering, testing, company interviews, pre-screening, all the stuff we do in there is quite probably top-heavy. Um, and we do that for good reason to kind of make sure that the bad egg can't slip through the cracks. Um, we do a lot of the pre-qualifying, so company interviews with our success team. They ask all the questions that need to be asked. We record those on video. So when the actual client is looking at who they want to choose to have a, a formal interview with, um, we've done a lot of that heavy lifting for them. It just makes it a lot easier to see how this person responds, how they comprehend um, what their experience is, how they can explain their experience. Um, So for the customer, they can work out, is this person going to be a good fit? Uh, Culturally, will they fit in my team personality-wise? Communication-wise, how do they communicate? What tone they have with their voice, if they're going to be on the phones? All of that sort of stuff comes across 
um, pretty clearly. So yeah, a lot of hand-holding in that space. We even sit on, on the interviews. Um, so our team will, instead of, uh, I watch that Australian TV show, Thank God You're Here, where you just open the door and the comedian's on a set and has to deal with what's there. We don't do that to clients. Because um, it, it is quite, if they're interviewing for the first time, um, a Filipino will traditionally be quite shy. Um, so we make sure that we kind of intro them and pump them up a little bit and get them talking and then kind of leave them to, to do their interview. We help with the selection process. A lot of people ask us who they should choose and some people will, we, we never kind of choose for them. But yeah, we, we give a lot of guidance in, in that space um, to make sure that they're not getting sold to by someone who possibly shouldn't be chosen um and yeah so right from that to the point where they actually hire a staff member um the setup process is crucial and how we onboard um so software is i think extremely important um different tools to make outsourcing successful um so we help them with all of those things we don't get them set up for them um, but we guide them on kind of how you can set them up to get the process and all of that working um, and then ongoing, ongoing management of staff. Um, yeah, we, we have a very hands-on approach to performance, especially in that first six months. Uh, that's the crucial period. So we have weekly check-ins with staff, monthly catch-ups, performance reviews with clients. So a lot of yeah, a lot of information that we get to make sure that there's no possible way that anyone's going to trip up from all parties involved, being us, the service provider, the staff member, and the customer. So yeah, quite a lot of hands-on hand-holding. <laughs> and what does an agent need to know in terms of the technical aspects of property in Australia or the US or UK? Do they need to be sort of technically capable people? I assume they may be assisting or managing with a lot of the sales process and conveyancing. Do they do they kind of need to understand all of that or are they just learning processes? Um, like um, we, we prefer and we always suggest to hire someone that's a little more green um, to the real estate industry itself, um, but look for backgrounds from professional backgrounds, like whether it's legal, accounting, um, look for highly detailed people if they're gonna be performing back office. The good thing about real estate for outsourcing, whether it's property development, whether it's property management, whether it's investing, whether it's sales, whatever, um, there's a pretty simple workflow to the whole thing. Um, so a lot of the tasks that the staff in the Philippines are going to be doing, they are really easy and repeatable tasks, which makes it perfect for, for outsourcing. Got it, got it. And what are some of the kind of killer applications of these people, these roles? Is it, you know, you know like following up leads? Is it identifying properties to, to try and list? Is it following up with the sales process? Where do you see, you know, a lot of value being added with these, these kind of people? So Australia is probably most popular in, in the property management space, so investment management of residential properties, shops, commercial, um, that type of thing. Um, so processing, yeah, processing well, the advertising of the actual properties, handling tenant inquiries, processing applications. Um, there's a lot of arduous work, like processing an application. I remember it would take our property managers like four hours sometimes in a day to actually get the information back. So it's a lot of... Wow. time wasted on things like that that the VAs over here can easily do um, from entry condition reports, collecting bonds, receiving rent, um, assisting with property maintenance when tenants want a, a tradesman out to fix a door or, or whatever it is. Um, 
arrears management when tenants are getting behind, those type of things. Um, lease renewals is huge. Like we've got agencies with 5,000 properties under management. You can imagine every time you've got leases up for renewal every year, they're expiring. Uh, mm. 5,000 properties, you've got a lot of a lot of work to be done there. Um, so quite a lot in, in that space, but it's not... It's not just there. I, I found it really interesting myself as the business evolved to be working in different sectors that were not just the stuff that I knew backwards, um, like the property development space. One of our larger clients, um, we've got seven residential draftmen working on Revit, um, which was surprisingly easy to find, um, which has been yeah very successful for them. We've got software companies. Um, that we're doing their technical support. So it's real estate related. It's a company over in California um, that's got 12 staff just about to roll over 40 staff that they've got uh, in India want to move to the Philippines. Um, and they do a legal documentation software for the transaction um, of properties in that state, um, which, yeah, it's all, it's all different. But the, um, the support that we provide is the same support everybody needs. It's a a one-stop solution is the education, whether it be residential real estate, property management, um, it, it doesn't really matter. It's all the same. You've got to be ready. You've got to understand what your requirements are, what your responsibilities are, how to manage your team, how to deal with the staff in the Philippines, how to scale your team. Um, all of those types of things are, are very similar across the whole space. Yeah, yeah. And how much of your time do you find that you're kind of, sort of coaching people and the clients, you know, helping them along and kind of teaching them how to really delegate and manage people and things like that? Um, I help a lot of them in the initial setup once they're qualified and they, they're ready to jump on board. Um, if, yeah, it looks like they need help, I'm always happy to jump on a call here and there and to get them um, get on track. We have a dedicated success team, which is there literally just to do that. They're kind of our concierge service. Um, that has worked in the space themselves, so they fully understand what it's like from the uh, virtual assistant side. They've been on the customer-facing side and seen what it's fully like on the customer-facing side. So they're there to literally help with every step of the process and guide your clients, whether it be from um, if they've got a team of five, they're looking to go to the 10 and they were trying to work out um, what to do, how to develop a team leader within the team, um, how not to trip up on things like that, which... There's some easy, easy mistakes you can make in the Philippines and upset your team and have them all walk out. Um, so our success team is kind of there to help guide clients on on how things work over here, which we find to be very, very successful in, in making sure we don't get drop-offs with clients and um, that they're, they're constantly growing um, with us rather than yeah, going backwards. It is, it's delicate, isn't it? You know, instead of managing managing the management of it and the relationships and the communication it's all the sort of nuances really isn't it and yeah and if you don't know and nobody's told you um when when you tell a client something like for example we've got a quite a large growing client but they didn't really um develop a a team leader they've developed some individual team leaders but there's no team leader for the individual uh teams within the group uh, it's causing them a, a few issues because there's some segregation, and we're we're coaching them through how to develop that. But if you don't, if you don't do it from within, and a lot of, a lot of, um, especially kind of D personality business people say, well, simple fix, we're going to hire a team leader. Find me a team leader. 
and then you put a team leader in there that's never worked with the the the, the existing team, and you might put them on more money because they're a team leader, and uh, that's not going to work out very well. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of little things like that that yeah, we're coaching on how to avoid those things. Yes. <laughs> And it's funny, they're just small details that people kind of brush aside, but they're absolutely critical, aren't they? I mean, they can make or break a team. Like you can have the whole team, you know, just drop tools and work off, walk off. It's it's crazy, huh? Over small things like birthday cakes, like (laughs) um, it's amazing. Like the Filipinos are the most beautiful people, um, but God, they love to celebrate. Um, If you forget a birthday or something, um, they get upset. <laughs> so we do cakes. Like we make sure whether the client says yay or nay, um, we get Yeah, we don't make that mistake. So we do a lot of things like that to kind of guide clients as well on, yeah, how to how to kind of work with the Filipino staff um, to make sure that they are performing at their best and they feel valued. Because um, it, it's kind of one of the interesting things that when when I started doing it, I always considered the team my team um, when I had it as my in my own real estate company and I, I just naturally did that um, because we had a culture within inside our internal business where we did that because obviously we want everyone to be happy satisfied and, and producing at their best um, but yeah when when starting this we found a lot of companies would kind of treat the staff over here just as an invoice um, rather than an actual person who's working within their team and they'd always have high turnover um, of staff because there's unhappiness there. So we, we make sure that we kind of help with all those things along the way um, yeah, to make sure that they're not going to trip up. And we, we just don't take on clients that don't don't care or don't have any culture within their business. It's not going to work with the Philippines. We'd just rather say no. It's hard, isn't it? You know, And it's hard if you manage or if you pick up all of those loose ends, then the client can sometimes still think of them as an invoice and then it's your job, Stephen, to manage, to make sure they're happy, to make sure they're delivering. And it's kind of hard that, isn't it? Like you need the, you need the client to take responsibility for, for engaging with their team and, and setting reasonable deliverables and, and keeping them motivated. How do you, how do you, do, do they sort of sometimes respond unwell to that kind of advice? Um, no, they just need to be educated on it in the first place um, of how things work. And like our sales presentation is pretty detailed. Um, we go through all of these things to make sure that they kind of understand what what their responsibility is. Um, and no, they take to it take to it very well. Um, we we would provide probably twenty percent of the engagement, and it's up to the client to kind of do the rest from from their end because they're dealing with the staff on a day to day basis. Um, but things that we have go on. So, for example, we've got bingo every month, which we've got a very funny staff member who calls our, our bingo. So we have hundreds of people online um, playing bingo. If it's only 20 minutes or something. But we make sure the clients understand that they need that 20 minutes. This is a, a little bit of fun time in their day and they look forward to it. Um, and the clients, yeah, they don't mind. They're like, cool. Thanks for letting me know. I want to see some pictures. So we send them the pictures of the bingo if they're staff member one. Um, and we do little prizes and jackpots and, and stuff where they can win. Um, so it's all those little things that kind of make um, make it a well-oiled machine for yeah, minimizing turnover of staff. We've got Filipino games like Pera and Bayong, which is like money on the box, um, a game that they love to play, which we get them all in the, the big uh, cafeteria room and we've got all the boxes and they 
come up. They've got to answer questions and all this stuff until they narrow it down. And someone gets to choose a cash prize or or the box, and there could be nothing in the box, and it's pretty funny. <laughs> but all those all those little things uh, are engagement we provide to make sure that they're in a workplace where they're happy. Um, and these are all things I guess I've introduced um, along the way due to my experience finding that I had staff wanting to leave because of management or something in the company um, that I, well, the BPO I uh, partnered with. Um, and it was, it was kind of sad to hear that my team was having issues with management when I want them to be productive and I had no control over that. So these are these are little things we want to make sure and we've got a satisfactory level rating for every single staff member when we check in with them to find whether they're happy, satisfied and unhappy. Uh, if anyone's flagged unhappy, it is the most important thing for our success team to handle is to find out what's going on and try and mitigate any issues that may be happening um, to make sure that we can get them back to being, being happy. Um, and yeah, reporting these things to client as well to let them know that, hey, look, you've um, stood on a landmine, you've said something and uh, your staff members uh, got annoyed. Um, and, and we kind of try to address those things to proactively fix them, uh, essentially. And the whole world has been tipped upside down with COVID and it obviously disrupted um, the way people work. What What's your view on, are they in the office? Are they remote? And what are your thoughts on that whole debate um look i'm i'm sitting in my home office right now um just to make sure i don't have our very loud team all in the background um but like i've i've been doing a sales presentation and i'm in a nice house here and my internet just cuts off doesn't matter whether you're in uh, a premium subdivision if the the guy uh, has a brownout then you have a brownout these are just small things that happen in the philippines that make work from home extremely unreliable um so yeah working from the office i think it, it, for mental health um the team are happier they get to see their friends they they enjoy their lunch breaks together um they're not isolating themselves we control the work um we get to see them every day we check in on them visit them uh, make sure that they're all happy um stabilized like stabilized internet that actually doesn't go off backup generators like a lot of things people don't understand about the philippines is that your staff just can't take their laptop to the local cafe and sit mm-hmm. there and work uh, it just doesn't work that way um and also the home environment for most staff it's oh. not really conducive to work huh they don't no, have well, cute little offices and you know things like that it's no, uh, one of the, one of the funnier stories. Uh, we've got a client that's in the photo editing space, um, and she came over to visit the team, and she had upset one of the team members because the team member didn't know what a throw rug was um, on <laughs> on a bed, and I had to explain to her, "Look, here's come come for a drive with me." And we went driving around, and I showed her some of the the little homes where their staff are probably living because they only saw their hotel and they saw our office. Um, and I go, that's the reason they don't understand what a throw rug is. And she's like, oh, my, what an idiot I've been. <laughs> it's just small stuff. Like, you've got to understand the perspective of, look, it's a third world country. Um, the staff working in the space are generally kind of middle class um, workers. Um, but the middle class here to how the middle class is in U.S. or um, Australia, it, it's still still very different. Um, so, yeah, you've got to understand these things. And weather like people don't think about the weather in the philippines we get hit by at least 
10 massive typhoons every year, earthquakes. There's a lot that goes on that um, can affect affect work. Um, little tin roof, uh, typhoon, doesn't really work very well. And if you need your business running, then um, they better be in the office. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? And I think often that's a lot of the problems with people trying it and getting disappointed because you know, they look for a cheap solution. They look for sort of staff sitting at home, freelancers, and they don't have the infrastructure. They don't sort of have the kind of scalability and discipline and oversight. And it, it just um, disappoints people, doesn't it? It, it does. And that, that's what leaves the bad taste, that there's no management of this person. And, and that was kind of the first service I um, chose was someone providing a, a low-cost um, part-time rate. So I started with part-time um just yeah 20 hours or whatever a week but they were sitting at home and i saw some instant wins with some things that we got done but then she'd disappear for a day um that's the other things in the philippines like uh, family related things or yeah, these things happen and you kind of need to be on top of them and proactively handle them um if they're left to their own devices yeah they just won't turn up for a day um or yeah, they might have a brownout and they can't message you and they don't have loads, so they can't text you and can't get in touch with you and you have no idea where they are. So I, I, I think office-based solution is by far the way to go. It's a little more expensive because you've got to cover the cost of the BPO's got to deliver a service. Um, but when you look at the reliability and uh, yeah, break it down, it's yeah, far more valuable. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the value versus the cost, isn't it? You've, you've got to get good value out of this thing and... Uh... So many people, I think, are so price sensitive and they think they can save an extra dollar here or there and then they really cut themselves yeah. off. You know, well, you're already getting crazy. a good saving and then they want another saving. Um, and they're yeah. typically clients that we probably don't want anyway. And how do you how do you sort of say that? Because I, I thought about this. It's almost like, you know, like outsourcing is one of the value propositions is saving money. So it's kind of like Kmart or Walmart. You know, you're getting the type of people that are price sensitive and then, so trying to sell them a Gucci bag in Walmart will be will be hard, and but of course we have to sort of remind them of quality and getting things done properly and having proper infrastructure. Um, how do, do you do you find a lot of people sort of are um, what well, upset that they're paying margin on top of salaries? Um, well, it's not so. So we, we tell them, like, we're transparent. We tell them exactly what the salary is. And some people question, like, they might hire a, a junior um, that's doing some basic data entry for them that's on quite a low salary. But our fee is still the same because we've still got the same space, the same computer, the same electricity, the same staff. Um, that We still have to provide the, the same service. And sometimes the ratio is, like, one to three that the staff is a third of the cost of what the actual service is. And on other on – a, other sides of the coin, like if you've got a high-end drafter that's on 80, well, then sometimes the salaries, yeah, the salary side is the bigger part of the actual invoice, if that makes sense. So we, we explain these things to them, but the service that we provide, when you look at things that, that have costs associated with them, you're saving money, you're not buying a computer, you're not paying extra rental space because they're not sitting in your office, you're not doing their, their HR, you're not doing their payroll, you have no legal obligation. You don't have to get more insurance because you've got extra staff members. So there's so many savings that you're making by paying for this additional service. And they, they just kind of 
forget that, okay, if you did this locally and you had to do it, then you're going to need to have all of these things in your office, basically. Um, so that's kind of how we explain it's it. It's hard, most- that, isn't it? Like people compare a an Australian salary maybe of 50000 and then they compare it to your total cost, you know, and it's like it's not the same. You've got to add the <laughs> You've got to add all of the costs on top of the fifty thousand in Australia, which is, as you said, all the facilities and hardware and um, exactly, and then extra and- things like superannuation and yeah, things that are on top of the labour and yeah, there, there's so much more. So you got to compare the apple uh, with the apple, and also things that the clients don't understand. That I'm pretty uh, upfront with them. Like the only thing that's cheap in the Philippines is basically labour and beer. Um, they're the only things that. That are cheap. Food's kind of cheap, but um, look, when it comes to infrastructure like electricity, computers, um, internet, it's not cheap. Like our internet connections cost more than they would in Australia to run our business. Um, we've got ten different lines, um, and it's very, very expensive. It's a large part of our operational expense. Same with price per square meter on 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 actual rental space. It just never goes down. Every year, it's just five percent increase, no matter what. Um, and yeah, it's not it's not actually cheap. The business side of things, the only cheap component is the labour. And when we explain that uh, to them, they they kind of get it. Um, and if they don't get it, once again, then um, maybe they need to go down the the cheap path for a little while um, and and find out for themselves. And quite often, we've we've lost in a presentation. And they said, no, I'm going to these guys. They're two dollars an hour cheaper, or whatever it works out to be. And then they come back with their tail between their legs going can we still can we still work together <laughs> we go okay we need yeah, it's sad, isn't it you know like often it, it's sort of it is for one or two bucks an hour and and you know there's just going to be so much friction and disappointment and things like that it's, it's and and that is like we can do as much as we can on our end when it comes to to coaching clients on how it kind of works and, and whatnot um but there's some people that need to go through it and I'm the first person to say I was that person. It's like I needed to go through all the pain. It's like uh, Andy Dufresne and his rock hammer. Um, <laughs> you got to go through the the 400 meters of poo before you get out the other side. And sometimes you need to do that journey yourself, <laughs> and then work it out. It's true, isn't it? And I think entrepreneurs, especially, like they, you cannot tell them anything, <laughs> and it's often hard for them to take any advice, isn't it? You know, especially like business processes and how to set this up to succeed and things like that. And then also trying to advise them that, you know, it's better to have facilities and infrastructure and oversight. Um, It's really difficult. And then they go on their own journey and then eventually they all come back to the same place. Well, then, yeah, that is an entrepreneur. Yeah. It doesn't matter what, and I've been the same. doesn't matter what someone tells me. Um, I go off and do it my own way. And most of the times learn the hard way, but then um, yeah, make it work and it, ends up being better in the future. But yeah, you've got to, in every business owner, whether whether they're a small business or there's a single sales agent that goes out on his own, um, entrepreneurial traits are entrepreneurial traits um, from big to, to small. Yeah, crazy. And so I suppose, what is the future like for you with the, the there's a few sort of, the economy is not looking so strong. Interest rates are going up. I think, you know, real estate is potentially falling out of favor. Do you see that as, as a headwind or do you think as, as it comes to the crunch, then people will look to make more savings? How do you see that for the industry? 
Um, I think we'll be on the, the right side um, if, yeah, the market slows even further. Um, it might go back 20 or 30%, but it, it doesn't just halve. It's not like cryptocurrency or something. It doesn't just disappear overnight. People still need homes. Um, people are still managing properties. Um, people still buy investments, whether they're low or they're high. The smart ones buy them when they're low, so there'll be more transactions done in that space. So it doesn't it doesn't really change much. Uh, we'll probably have smaller operators that may uh, may leave our service, but then I think we're going to find more come on um, that are looking to make savings and looking to streamline in areas where they didn't have to before because they had the luxury of everything. It's all running along nice and smoothly and they're making tens of thousands of dollars in commissions every couple of days or whatever, making a few sales here and there. Um, so I think, yeah, there'll be some shifts, but I think for the outsourcing side, it's going to make it stronger. Uh, more people are going to look to cost savings. Uh, more people are going to look to how they can streamline the business, um, have less overhead cost uh, locally. Um, so, yeah, I think for the entire industry, I think it's probably going to be a, a good thing. Um, but I expect to see a few smaller businesses drop off like they're doing any downturn. Yeah, it's a cycle of life, isn't it, it seems? And hopefully where this one <laughs> won't be too brutal across and, the board. Yeah. And, and real estate's a funny one. Like even when I was a sales agent or running the business like this, when the market's good, there's all these cowboys that start joining the industry. Um, and try and make make hay while the sun shines, and then soon as as soon as it slows down, they don't know how to actually get a listing, how to reduce price, um, how to educate an owner on on make yeah making the move towards the decision they need to make, and they all kind of just disappear anyway. It's like a, a natural cleanup um, is what happens in a in a downturn. Crazy. Stephen, thank you so much. Really, really great insights and really great to hear about the real estate industry. It's, it's certainly a passion of mine and fantastic that you're doing such a great job in the space. As always, I suggest people reach out, have a conversation and see how um, offshoring can help their business. If anyone wants to know more, how can they get in touch or learn more? Yeah, easiest just to, to head over to our shoreagents.com website. Um, there's a little get started button in the top corner and just fill out the form and that'll come through and um, yeah, we'll, we'll get in touch with you and get you on a call. That was Stephen Atchler. He is the CEO of Shore Agents. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to email us, just send us an email to, outsource, to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.